Good evening, dear listener, and welcome to our Weekend at Crombie's spin-off podcast, Weekend at Crombie's 2, The Legend of Crombie's Gold. And for this season, we're doing a deep dive into the first seven films of Rob Reiner. Um, and this podcast is going to be about The Sure Thing. Listener, good evening. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> what the hell was that? Uh, you might be overthinking this one. Don't change. I'm overthinking it, yeah. Good evening, dear listener. My name is Dr. James Evans, Esquire. Spontaneity has its time and place. And I am Hugh. Where else are you going to find scoops of flesh? <laughs> Very good. Um, yes. Yeah, so in our um, in our second season of Weekend at Crombie's Two, The Legend of Crombie's Gold, we have maybe foolishly de decided to. Um, <laughs> we we'll find out at the end of the year, won't we? We've rather foolishly decided to deep dive into the first seven films of Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner. I keep calling him Rob Reiner. I don't know why that's happening at the moment, but they, maybe it's because the weather is quite inclement at the moment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the reason. Yeah, the first seven films of Rob Reiner. Um, this is Spinal Tap, The Sure Thing, to, uh, today's podcast. Stand By Me, The Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, Misery and A Few Good Men. What a run that is, Hugh. Indeed. Although, the, again, The Sure Thing has the distinction of being the only one I hadn't seen or even heard of before this, this uh, series we did. Well, there is no shame in not having seen The Sure Thing. It's slightly unusual never to have heard of it, though. It's It's quite a... It's quite it's quite a cultural signifier of certain types of films, I think. But we'll obviously get on to that, won't we? I will point out I have seen it now. Uh, of course, you know, yeah, that's good. It. That's good to hear. And I'm also glad that we're doing the podcast because in every communication with Hugh, he responds quite simply with sure thing. And it's really quite irritating. It now. has been a laugh riot. <laughs> every, every, single, every single message that could require an affirmative answer has just been sure thing. Yeah. It's Tuesday evening, okay, for the podcast. Sure thing. Oh. I've not even stopped replying sure thing. I'm just quoting yeah. the earlier replies I gave that said sure thing. But just before we do, um, we do kind of start the podcast as well. I think it's fair to say I, I watched this film um, on Monday, the 17th of October, which... You never. Yeah, I did. Oh, my G God. Given, given that I struggled to remember plot points from films that i've watched the day before <laughs> this is going to what, be a struggle what, what date it is now because for an audience that's here in december oh, that yeah. means nothing to them <laughs> I suppose, oh yeah that's true yeah that is true well it is the first of november now indeed so, you know so it's a it's a fair it's a fair few it's you know one of the bases that this, this film isn't available to stream um and it's not available um on well on any streaming site i said that twice yeah. so there we go so, that's so how that's how not available it is it's 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 can't find the damn thing so i had to buy the i had to actually buy the dvd and then watch it then send it to you I know, like a peasant i don't know if that's legal actually so if if that is illegal i uh, I, think, just... I think i think gifting me a dvd is quite legal yes it is isn't it yes so you've... <laughs> it wasn't a public showing was it <laughs> no it definitely wasn't <laughs> do i have to keep it now can i post it back to you um Oh, you can do with it what you will. 
okay. I will leave it up to you. Uh, just on the basis that I don't have any DVDs or don't blue, you. you know, I don't have any. So uh, there's no point. I mean, uh, there's no point having one, is there? I think I'd like to post it back because then people will 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 visit you and think this is the only DVD here. <laughs> yeah, you must you be must an really... incredible fan of the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. It would be the only DVD I own, which is a weird film. You know, it's like, oh, Psycho or, I don't know, Gone with the Wind. No, it's the sure thing. <laughs> Rob Reiner's second Academy film. Academy 3 is the only DVD I own. <laughs> that and Sharknado. <laughs> that was never a DVD. No, it wasn't. It couldn't have been, could it? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we digress slightly. <laughs> we do, we do. So, Hugh, I mean, you know, it, you, I'll, you I'll are the, the heavy remo- lifting, don't worry. Yeah, you're the removals van uh, employee, and I'm the um, elderly waif um, whose house is being moved. <laughs> <laughs> so we begin. Um, yeah. The sure thing. So it was uh, 1985. It'd be, yeah. uh, one year after this is Spinal Tap. One, one year, year before Stand By Me. Was it? Oh, he was uh, quite prolific. Anyway, so we uh, yeah. we begin. Well, actually, we. <laughs> I know we don't normally do the credits, but it's probably quite uh, notable. The credits. The credits begin on a beautiful California beach, oh, yeah, where uh, yeah. a a supermodel in yeah. a bikini is basically walking towards the camera, um, and it was it was kind of uh, it was telling. I think that the uh, the titles, the sure thing. Um, managed to orientate you as to where the centre of the screen was, because that was also the place where her crotch was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so and I think if, if you've not seen the film before, which you haven't, and you don't know much about it, you, you might it, you might get the impression that the film is a particular type of film. And it isn't yeah. really. No, it, no. I think it's just, it's it's ironic, isn't it? Because, because uh, yeah, this uh, this um, bikinied lady who is the sure thing, I didn't, did she have a name other than the sure thing? No, she, uh, I can't remember. No. She might just oh, be, yeah, the, no, she's, I think she's credited as the sure thing. Yes, I think she is. Yeah. So, right, so yeah. the actress is Nicolette Sheridan, who actually yeah. managed then to forge quite a lengthy career, um, basically playing oversexed characters or objects of sexual desire. Because yeah. well, start as you mean to go on, I guess. Yeah. Because I mean, she it's probably her biggest memorable um, role was in Desperate Housewives, where yes. she was basically the foil to the other housewives yeah. by being the 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 not desperate one. Um, but I guess she basically toddled around the uh, that level of, of, of roles for I know, the next 30 years um so she was very young in the sure thing and again we begin after she has walked directly towards the camera um by her slathering herself with what can only be coconut oil because it was the early 80s and you know skin yeah. cancer wasn't a thing uh, so she, <laughs> and then we, we're left with her sizzling away and that's it cut and then we don't see her again for a very long time because we jump to um uh, the high school in mid-america uh yeah. where uh, a couple of graduating seniors uh Walter Gibb Gibson, played by John Cusack, <laughs> and his friend Lance, uh, played by um, Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards, um, a, a fully her sweet Anthony Edwards, yeah. playing. It's, I didn't recognise him with with hair. It was I weird. Know, playing remarkably against type as the cool yeah. one. <laughs> well, apparently, uh, Anthony Edwards was originally cast as Walter Gibb Gibson. Oh, that I can and, buy. Yeah, until John Cusack rocked up and did. You know, an incredible audition, apparently. So there we go. Oh, God. How much of Anthony Edwards' career has played second fiddle to dark-haired uh, <laughs> teen stars yeah. from the 80s? <laughs> uh, notwithstanding. So again, so these two best friends are having a chat about it. And, and Walter is quite morose, um, basically because he's, he's not getting any action with girls. He's, he's, touch, isn't he? he's implied he did get it in the first couple of years of high school. Although, which is weird. Which I, is weird. Because I never quite understand American schooling. Well, they basically have their, they, they cut their high school years in two. So they have junior high, which is like years, or what are they called? Year seven, eight, nine, or maybe. Well, what, how old are you in those years? 
Uh, you're 11, 12, 13. Oh, okay. Fine. That's junior high. And then um, senior high is like your A-levels and your GCSEs. So 14, 15, 16, 17 and 18. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's basically it's rather a good plan of keeping all the big kids away from the small kids, yeah, so the pecking order doesn't yeah. get too rough. Because the also, you know, yeah. given that given that Walter Gibson is in high school, right, and he's lost his touch, suggesting that he was once a bit of a Lothario. I mean, what was he like, fifteen or something? That was it. He, he, he's, he's listing. Yeah. Well, again, we, uh, firstly, I think it's a good thing to break these high schools up because if you're in different high schools, the worst beating you can accept is from someone about two years your age senior which is much yeah. better than someone five years your senior yeah yeah you know you don't yeah. be a first year getting beaten up by a, a an 18 year old <laughs> trust me <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so uh, so walter gibby yeah, it's, it's odd that he seems to have had lots of like although given yeah he was probably you know, 15 16 you know he probably just had a quick snow behind whatever they have in bike sheds and, and this and, is the other thing with american high school films is that i'm, I'm never quite sure what they what are they? What do they mean when they talk about making out or, or making it? You know, it's the baseball system. It's the baseball system of sexual intercourse. Yeah, what is the third base? Yeah, I don't, I don't quite. I never. So it's almost. It's obviously a cultural thing in America. You know exactly what they're talking about. But it could go anywhere from, you know, full blown bareback, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to to like you know just a snog. I have no yeah. idea. It could be any yeah. of those things. Yeah, well, it's implied that he has sexual experience because he says he's not a virgin later on, although he is clearly sexually incompetent because his attempts to chat at women are awful, um, uh, as, as we'll see throughout the movie anyway. So he's, he's bemoaning that, you know, um, that he, he can't, he's, he's lost his touch with women. And of course, him and Lance Consoles are saying, well, it's it's not us, it's the women are the problem. <laughs> they just don't appreciate a couple of sophisticated dudes like us. Um so they 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 they're saying farewell. Lance is off to the uh, the west coast and to the uh, the sunny um, universities, and then Walter is off to the uh, the east coast, kind of the Ivy League schools. So they're clearly not actually brainless, but anyway, they're no. they're splitting up, and and that's that. Um, so we we skip now to them in their respective universities, and uh, and as you can imagine, Lance is is going around volleyball parties <laughs> and then yeah. Bermuda shorts and sunglasses. Uh, <laughs> And and Walter is kind of wearing that, you know, the big scarf as he walks around the uh, the the um, the quads of uh, of Ivy League schools. Yeah. Um. And he's and he's still again getting absolutely no luck with uh, with women. Although again, I was quite touched with the arrangement he has with his roommate. His roommate yeah. is, is far more successful, and his roommate's girlfriend shows up for sex, but has a little dish of pie that she gives to Walter <laughs> for him to clear off. And he sits on a he sits outside the room eating his pie while those two yeah. loudly have sex in the room. Which I mean, I think everyone wins from that. Everyone does win. Yeah. I mean, give, also, maybe this is my problem. Give me the pie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's far less stressful. And, you know, it's, it's far more enjoyable. <laughs> From my experience, anyway. I mean, I appreciate the common denominator is me. <laughs> So yeah, so so uh, Walter is pining. I think of it. We we yes, he has correspondence. Literally, he's pining. Ah, uh, very good. <laughs> he has correspondence with Lance. This is the the, the days we actually wrote letters to each other. Um, yeah. and and so Lance is sending sort of photos of bikini club and saying, well, "Hey, look at the babes I'm hanging with." And Walter's like, "Oh, it's so lonely here." Um, cold. Yeah. And if, but of course, this being an Ivy League school, it's actually a nondescript Ivy League school. Rob yeah. Reiner shot it so in many of them, so they all looked 
familiar but not identifiable ah, okay. so it's like it's just an ivy league school yeah so it's it's not it's not um the social networks harvard yeah well, even though that wasn't harvard but you know yeah, it's, it's bits and bobs of everything yeah and okay so again and this being again a new england school he ends up um in uh, the english class where the uh, the english teacher is as you'd expect you know kind of wearing very large scarves and and talking about you know go out and live life don't just uh, yeah. don't just <laughs> learn spelling live life <laughs> she has, i'm sure she has one quote which is like um Oh, I can't remember. Oh, what did she say? Which I thought that sounds a bit rubbish. I don't know that I'd want to do that. I can't, oh, what was it? Food that isn't good for you once in a while. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. it's like well, that's, well, I mean, but that, mission you know, accomplished. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't feel any smarter. <laughs> Um, but she's very, again, this is interesting because, um, again, well, we'll come to it. His, his, um, one of the other pupils in the class is uh, Alison Bradbury, um, mm. played by, played by, uh, was it, um, Daphne Zuniga? Zuniga. Zuniga, sorry, yeah. Zuniga. Um, I only know her from uh, Spaceball. She was the, the fake Princess Leia, and that's about it. Um, I have a feeling she was in Beverly Hills 90210 as well. I really think she was, she was an Andrea. I mean, all I know, I don't know. I don't know any of the cast or um, character names. Well, there were two, there were two yellow-haired ladies in Beverly Hills and two brown-haired ones. And, oh, were there? And one of them was um, Shannon Doherty, and one of them was the newspaper editor. She wasn't either of them. T two middle-aged men trying <laughs> to describe. <laughs> this is podcast gold. <laughs> well, interestingly, I mean. Uh, Zunig is an interesting name, I suppose, but her her middle name is Eurydice. Is it? Ooh, yeah, Daphne Eurydice Zunig. I'd have gone with that. Yeah, nice, nice, nice. Anyway, um, so uh, she's uh, in the underworld of uh, the Harvard thing. See what I did there? Uh, Before we go on here, and I appreciate this is this is we are belaboring the points here. Melrose Place. My, my Melrose Place. I see. Here we go. <laughs> I, I was not a Melrose Place aficionado. No. Is that where she ended up, dear me? That it really is the underworld for you to see. <laughs> Um, anyway, so again, this is this shows actually the the uh, the politics of the film because um, because Walter is kind of pulled up from the English teacher by basically choosing a rubbish topic for his essay, yeah. spelling badly, and getting pepperoni stained all over the paper, <laughs> and he's left with a little pat on the head saying, you know, try a bit harder next time. But, he's Alice, his, but he knows yeah. his stuff. Well, we think he knows his stuff. He doesn't yeah. know how to spell because he even managed to spell zucchini wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> Whereas Allison um, is said, you're, you know, you're, you get your point very clearly. You know what you're doing. You're, you're, yeah. you're crisp. You're, you know, your spelling's immaculate. But you know, just loosen up. Just chill. <laughs> it's like yeah. that's a bit harsh. It's, like, <laughs> it's an English class. Maybe it's a liberal arts university. She's definitely got the Mr. Keating. Uh, yes. Yeah. It's like yeah. Who cares yeah. about spelling? Let's just come on. Let's just relax it's not a little the, bit. It's not the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, is it? <laughs> <laughs> that's what's wrong with this country. Anyway, um, so that, that's basically the, the thing. I mean, that, that's basically the upset. And Walter is kind of uh, a bit chill, a bit loose. Um, yeah. And Alison is very tightly buttoned up. And that's that's uh, that's where they are. And they basically, they don't really know each other. Although, I think, what is it? I mean, Walter is sniffing around every woman he possibly can. So he decides um, that he's going to, beg Alison to, for tuition or he'll fail um, he'll fail English and he does this basically by following the swimming pool <laughs> yeah and then he follows which is you know is a little bit stalkery and then he just jumps in fully clothed in front of her saying I'll drown yeah. um and she proceeds to ignore him she ignores him yes yeah, she just paddles around him which is quite cool um but then she finds him on the stairway dripping wet and eventually takes pity enough to say she'll tutor him yeah. which he immediately thinks i've got a date and yeah. so so he charges off in his nicely buttoned shirt and um and he he 
he does the whole kind of like you know let, let's let's live a little and he takes it to the roof of the library rather than actually studying um and they actually have almost a connection a moment, where, didn't they? yeah he's he's identifying the stars and she's telling him the kind of the, the, mytholo um, the mythology behind the, what yeah. the stars mean because she doesn't know stars and he doesn't know mythology so they're, they're connecting at which point he he um, delivers the uh, most awful line that his roommate has prepped him with yeah. um, and then she just punches him <laughs> it's something like I, I, uh, I feel that we speak the, the, the unspoken language fluently yeah. <laughs> I love you yeah. she, she knocks him over and then we kind of, he disappears out of view he's down on the ground and she goes are you hurt? no and she kicks him which I think was quite a nice touch <laughs> So that's pretty much where it, it was left. Um, that's that that's Act One almost, isn't it? Yeah, well, they, they, we've established that you know they've 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 met, they don't like each other. Boy meets girl, boy ki girl kicks boy, and that's it. Um, <laughs> it's it's got it's got elements of a proto when Harry met Sally, hasn't it? We'll definitely come into how this goes into yeah. Harry met Sally. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but but the uh, the the point where the the plot kicks off is in Walter gets a, a letter or a telephone call from Lance saying, um, "Come over to, to California for for Christmas." I've got you a sure thing. <laughs> it's just, it's like, what? Yeah, he's, he's found him a beautiful girl who apparently has nothing better to do with the time than to hang around for his mate to come across the country. He wants to experience um, a, a man. Yes, of, of which <laughs> of which Walter Gibson is not. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, he's, he's, he's basically said, you, you, yeah, guilt-free, unconnected sex with a stranger. Jesus, yeah. he's here. Come over. It's a sure thing. Um, I do wonder whether this was actual terminology, like this, think, this, this well, existed. Well, I don't know, yeah. What is, 80s America yeah. probably was, you know. I suppose, I mean, the only thing I've heard of a sure thing with horse racing. But... Well, yeah, that's true. It's, it's a betting thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, something that cannot yeah. fail. So maybe it's it's float, floated across, but it's... it's it's un again. It's unlike, especially you know, if if the the the, the lady in question resembles Nicolette Sheridan, um, <laughs> and and the fact that she's just hanging around, thinking, oh yes, I'd really like this this chap Walter Gibson to um, come across and, uh, and seduce me. But she's just the MacGuffin, isn't she? Really? She really is the MacGuffin. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> he's got to get across the country. He can't afford the airfare, but as luck would have it, there's some kind of carpooling arrangement going on. Um, yeah, so he, he so he jumps he, he jumps at the chance, and um, the car is being driven by Gary Cooper brackets not the cowboy and Marianne <laughs> Webster. Um, I don't know who Marianne Webster is, other than she has the rather good name of Lisa Jane Persky, which could easily be as good as Marianne Webster. I mean, <laughs> ah, that's true. You don't need to she was playing it. herself. <laughs> I you like could even mix up Lisa Mary Persky and <laughs> Webster Jane. <laughs> I do like... Um... Uh, Tim Robbins introduces himself as hi I'm Gary Cooper but not the Gary Cooper who's dead yes <laughs> but this that's come to the Gary Cooper is played by a very young Tim Robbins who Tim Robbins never quite is. looks like a very young Tim Robbins <laughs> he doesn't does he? <laughs> he he always looks like an uh, a, a, an accountant like a middle got an early middle-aged accountant certainly he doesn't does. look 18 or 19. No, no, God, no. No, not remotely. But again, in the, the brief scenes he's in, he's very funny. Yeah, well, they can do a, He does a good line in comedy. But yeah. um, so as uh, as Gibb jumps into the backseat of the car, who should be sharing a lift as well with them? But Alison Bradbury, who is also travelling across the country to see her boyfriend. Um, Jason. Jason, uh, or, what, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, so... Uh, the, 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 so that's good. So the, the relationship at the back is frosty to say the least. Um, but it's it's made far worse by the fact that Gary Cooper and uh, Marianne Webster uh, insist on singing show tunes and making this as fun a trip as possible. You'd, you'd have loved it, Hugh. Oh, I'd be. 
Let me tell you, I, I've, I, have, I have not shied from singing the entire Le Miserable from all, all the way down the length of the M4 before. Um, and, and I didn't just sing it, I sang it in a French accent, which I believe was the correct way to, uh, to display Le Miserable. Oh no. Can we have a bit more? Um, oh, what are they called? <laughs> what's that? What's the... What? I can't remember what they're called. They, Roger, no, not Rogers and Hammerstein. What's the other one? Gilbert and Sullivan. Gilbert and Sullivan. <laughs> yeah, you'd be there. It wasn't enough Gilbert and Sullivan for my liking. <laughs> you'd be saying. I mean, well, Gilbert and Sullivan's not really a show tune. I'd be saying that too, and I'd be telling the difference between a show tune and an operetta. <laughs> you would have ended up the same way that <laughs> William Gibb Gibson and Alison Bradbury do. No, I would have ended up in the ditch, but I don't think I'd have been breathing when they left me there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that, so um. Yeah, so uh, Gary Cooper and Marianne Webster soon gather that the uh, their travelling companions are not so much fun. In fact, the first time they all stay over in a motel, um, again, I don't know who was doing the arrangements, but they, they just got two double beds. So um, I'm not going to bed with you. I'm going to bed in a bed you happen to be in. <laughs> Which I think is fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. Because <laughs> it clearly wasn't going to try anything on with, uh, no. with uh, Gary and Mary right next to them. But, um, <laughs> but she, the, she, the end, she actually had a schedule. I, do you know what? I was a bit disappointed we didn't find out what the schedule yeah. was because yeah. she had a schedule. I thought, is it like two hours on, two hours off? Is it like yeah. alternate nights? What's the schedule? Yeah. Um, <laughs> we should also point out here that, that Alison Bradby is never without her file of facts. Um, no, never. No, she's, she, this is the spontaneity has its time and place um, quote at the start. She regimented, isn't she? She is. Although, again, it, once again, I could have done with seeing more about this file of facts because you know, that, that was, that was the, the mobile phone of the day. What, <laughs> it was. <laughs> how was this organised? Because yeah. she actually managed to have... Like when she was organising the study date, it was like, well, I've got lunch at 7.30. Yeah. I've got a phone yeah. call at 7.45. I can do you at 8 o'clock. Um, he says, but, well, uh, if I'm rearranging my sock drawer then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, for Alison then you know, will not sleep in the same bed as Gibbs. So she sleeps on the floor and you're waking up very tired with a crick in her neck. Um, so things aren't going too well. And the next morning isn't any better as, as Gibb is, is tucking into his hearty breakfast of um, cheese balls and a, shot, a pork rind and a shotgun to beer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, of which, and I guess so he's annoying Gary as well because you know they're not joining in; they're ruining the holiday for everybody. Um, yeah, uh, well, is, uh, you know, he says junk food is is underrated. Like, take these pork rinds for example; they contain two percent of your recommended daily allowance of riboflavin. I think that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, and where they end up, I think a couple of pork rinds would have done them some good. But, uh, <laughs> Then we have probably quite a staged in skating incident where again a car drives past yeah. with someone's bum sticking out of it <laughs> and uh, and Gibb just kind of chuckles along he thinks it's funny um but then Bradbury is so um dismissive she's outraged and she's just like stupid yeah well, he then now overplays it completely saying yeah. oh I loved it I think it's so funny I think it's the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever seen yeah what's wrong with being stupid sometimes yeah. And then he winds Alison up so much, uh, the fact that you know, she's, he, he keeps shouting that she's repressed, and he keeps you know, saying she would never do anything spontaneous, etc. Uh, at which point she does something that I'm guessing was contrived for the plot and possibly the trailer. We're mm -hmm. saying, oh, you think I'm so repressed? Watch this. She then rips off her clothes and leans out of the car um, yeah. topless, shouting, come and get it, boys. Um, <laughs> I mean, you don't see anything, but it's, it's rather contrived, isn't it? It doesn't seem like the kind of thing that Alison, or to be frank, any any woman who was sober might attempt. <laughs> Not 
really. Um, I appreciate why they needed something. Um, yeah. Because yeah. what happens then is Gary then gets the next scene is Gary getting a ticket from a traffic cop for having yeah. this. He then loses his temper completely and chucks them out in the street. I think they might have thought of a more creative way <laughs> to annoy Gary so much he throws them out because I don't think anything about the character of Alison was established that she's the kind of person that would do random nudity. Just no. and, and also nothing later in the film either. No, no, it was uh, no. It was, it's, it was, it's, it's, you can see the, the writers like the eleventh hour saying, "We've got to find some way to get them out of the car." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, they, it, it it worked. And out of the car they go. Yeah. So now, so uh, Gib and Allison are dumped on the on the corner. I mean, it's, I mean, Gary's annoyed, but he leaves them in the middle of nowhere. They're twenty miles from a town on the side of the road, and he just drives off. Yeah. And actually, Gib appreciates that he's gone too far because he's then perched on the bonnet, desperately belting out show tunes in the hope yeah. that Gary will forgive him. <laughs> Uh, but he's having none of it, so he dumps them both on the side of the road. Um, uh, again, they which one they share a pork rind. Um, they're still quite annoyed with each other, um, and and yeah, then so then Allison uh, jumps into a pickup truck uh, as her way out. Gary kind of war- well, Gib warns them not to do that. Um, mm. And and good he's, advice. <laughs> good advice because uh, again, driving the pickup truck is this kind of uh, hillbilly chap who's, who's desperately removing his wedding ring. And in the space of about two sentences, the conversation <laughs> veers quite rapey quite quickly. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, and it's 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 it. I think it takes. I'd say it takes the edge off the light-hearted comedy when he basically grabs Allison. There's like. Don't struggle, don't fight. Um, but disaster is averted when it turns out that Gib managed to jump on the back of the pickup unknown by anybody. Um, and does come to her rescue, but he comes to her rescue by basically feigning mental illness. Because <laughs> he starts yeah. crossing his eyes and screaming yeah. at the driver who um, who dumps them both out of the car uh, again. again. And Alison is like, oh, you saved me. <laughs> so that happened. Uh, and then... <laughs> <laughs> Again, maybe it was another part of the script where they had to get, they ha- uh, Gib had to be seen to be not the complete douchebag that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that he is. I guess it, it thaws them sufficiently that um, yeah, it does. As, yeah. as they're queuing up to buy bus tickets now, um, mm. Alison of course gets her bus ticket, and then Gib realizes um, he only has like nineteen dollars and can't afford one. And this comes back to the whole thing about in a day, in an age when. You just, yeah. We were talking about this in the, the pre when we watched the film uh, Vampire's Kiss. If you didn't have the money in your wallet, you didn't have the money. It's like, what, yeah. what world is this? The money. I know. Nowadays, I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't even think I own the money I spend. <laughs> <laughs> but then you you actually needed to have money. Okay, you get that. How did anyone budget? <laughs> you had to budget. That's how you did it. Oh, yeah. You didn't just spend your money and then worry about it. We <laughs> had to pay it all back. <laughs> like a civilized person. Uh, but yeah, so uh, cost of living crisis in the 1980s aside, um, Gib has no money for a ticket and thinks, oh, I'll just hang out here. At which point, Allison chooses not to take the bus mm. um, and therefore wasting her $89 ticket. Oh, I yeah, I was thinking that as well. To yeah, be honest. <laughs> like, that's a lot. Um, she actually has given him some of her money already. To, it's like she gives him $50 to, to move on away and she keeps some for herself. Um, but they decide to make the best of it, uh, at which point they, um, they end up then in a, in a motel room where... Um, yeah, Alison has now thought that she's learning how to shotgun a beer from Gib. Yeah, at this, and at this point, they've they've thawed enough that there is chemistry there, isn't there? Yes, they're now starting to enjoy each other's company. Mm. Although the chemistry instantly chills when Alison then, and not unreasonably, gives her boyfriend a call. <laughs> yeah. This apparently is beyond the pale for Gib, because after I think they've been sitting around having fun, drinking the beer and everything, yeah. and he goes, I've got to get out, it's too stuffy. Yeah. It's like, he goes All right, to a pub. Yeah. He, goes, he goes to a, a bar where he... 
he looks like he spends their entire budget on yeah. um, on whiskey and beer with just two barflies who are hanging around who I thought have to come into the plot somehow, but they don't. They, just... <laughs> no, they don't. They do have some good lines, though. So one of them says, I was in Paris once with my wife. Boy, am I glad she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a slightly odd scene because it's full of one liners. But this doesn't do anything. Go anywhere. He goes, Barkeep, get this man a trough of spritzer. Yeah. It's... <laughs> but again, okay, the, the cowboy with the, yeah, with the the dead wife line, he was quite funny. He's, he's mm. very much in that style of the, the cowboy propping up the bar with one yeah. of his. The other guy, I just felt sad for. It's like yeah, he was, he was yeah. sitting there and he was kind of like trying to spark a conversation with the waitress because you knew that's the only person he'd spoken to all day. And he was like, oh, it's a bit sad. Um, yeah. But so, again, I. I don't know whether the fact that Gibb was hanging out with them because he could see they were alone and took pity on them, therefore showed he's a nice person, or whether he was just getting pissed and it was like, <laughs> easy. because he comes back and just collapses on the bed. There's no further yeah. thing. Well, I think it. maybe he was just drowning his sorrows a little bit, because at, at that point, I think he's he's realising that it's not simply... He he he's he has some feelings for, for Alison, doesn't he? That's, that's the thing. He has feelings for her, and obviously she's got a boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. Although, again, I'm not sure why he feels entitled to drown his sorrows because he wasn't on a date with Alison. He like they were sharing a lift. You've obviously never been in love, Hugh. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> it's unrequited love. That's what it is, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I suppose Ooh. so. He's all heartbroken. Anyway, yeah. so he comes. He comes back and then crashes <laughs> on the bed. And the next morning, he's he's hurrying Alison out of the room, which again yeah. struck me as strange. Where he would be, a, a they've got nowhere to go. All they're doing is hitchhiking. They don't have to. <laughs> That's true, they've yeah. got no train to catch. They've got no money to buy tickets. Um, but they're also he's also like, come on, come on, come on, come on, let's go. Which seems like she'd be the more fussy one anyway, because he also. Has but his... he's he's recovered well from what was a heavy night of drinking. Oh, he's a nineteen-year-old. They can just oh, that's back, true. Yeah. Oh, to be nineteen again. <laughs> You're forgetting. It's like you know. I yeah, am forgetting. I have yeah. a small shandy now. It's like three days later. It's like, oh <laughs> god, why did I try to push myself? <laughs> know your limits. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, so yeah, he's bounced back and he's hustling, hustling out of the room, although too fast because in the in the uh, hustling out of the room, she left her personal organizer and all the money in tucked beneath the bedclothes. Um, which seems like a very unassuming thing to do because you're literally checking underneath the uh, the dresser drawers yeah, for things you might have left. This is the same Alison that whipped out a BAPS yeah. to, to a car that went past. So, you know. Uh... Yeah, maybe, maybe she's, she's not quite as organised as she appears. But <laughs> <she's... laughs> well, that's a different film, though, isn't it? That... She, she, that... She's tightly regimented. But uh, yeah, the, 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 she'll one day snap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but so uh, as they go to their their first, so they manage to hitchhike by pretending she's pregnant. And again, there's there's some to and fro about um yeah about being pretend to be a young pregnant couple. Um, although once again, it's it's the, the banter isn't great given that Alison she's the kitchen lift with a nice old lady, and Alison talks about the the baby name she'd like, and uh, and Gabe immediately shoots them down and starts giving his own names there as being far better. Yeah, Nick. Nick. Nick's your buddy. Nick. <laughs> Nick's your pal. Nick, I'm a Elliot. He was like, Elliot's a fat kid who eats paste. And I'm thinking, there's probably an Elliot in the cinema now, yeah. and his friends are going to dead leg him for the rest of the day. I think that's the point. <laughs> I felt for the Elliots in the, in the yeah, auditorium. Yeah, yeah. Um, Nick, Nick and Elliot went to the cinema together. <laughs> one, one came out really happy. <laughs> Elliot just went back home and ate paste. <laughs> drowning his sorrows uh, no, yeah. so they um so anyway they but as they go to the first place they then realize they've lost all their money yeah. um, and so now now this is the lowest point they're sitting now in the dark and by a bus stop in the rain rain is chucking down on them as i believe is john cusack's rider in every film he has been he <laughs> yeah. certainly of this era 
Yeah, he was, he was very big on being rained on. I think this yeah. must have been the first film he was rained on, so maybe they found yes, out I think so. Johnny Cusack looks best when he's sopping wet. Um, <laughs> uh, but this is also, I think, has the best line in the movie, because they're, they're trying to break into yeah, it. it they find out a caravan, and they're trying to break into yeah. it just to get some shelter. So he's smashing it with a rock, saying, oh, this is, you know, thank God this is this is the very important thing. This is secure. And she goes, oh, I've got a credit card. I've got a credit card. And she goes, oh, and they're like, oh, my God, we're saved. We've got a credit card. Yeah. Oh, wait, my dad said I should only use it in an emergency. <laughs> I mean, he just stares at her. So and said, "Well, let's just hope one comes up." <laughs> ah, he's good. He's brilliant, isn't it? Wonderfully delivered. Um, yeah. So next thing you know, they're in a fancy, very fancy hotel, which is only place to took credit cards, eating the veal and the lobster. Yeah. Um, and uh, despite again having a credit card, they could only afford one room, so they're all snuggled up <laughs> inside this antique bed. Um, but it's a very different vibe from the initial thing because uh, in Alison is just you know in her well neck to ankle nightdress, but she's also quite cozy in the eiderdowns, um, saying you can have to sleep on the floor, you can sleep next to me. And now Gib is all like, oh, you sure, are you sure? I won't try anything. She goes, I know you won't try anything. I won't try anything. I know you won't try anything. And then they just snuggle down. They've already had a nice chat over dinner about you know um, their dreams and things. Gib actually talked a lot about being an astronaut um, and, and genuinely how he, you know, looked at the stars and memorised them and wanted to explore the planets, which does make you question why he's an English major. Now. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking that. <laughs> which is rubbish at science, but either yeah. way. Yeah, but, you know, it, it could be, couldn't it? Yeah, That's like, okay. I did want to be an astronaut too. And, 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 yes. And quickly, <laughs> uh, reality quickly crept over yeah. my ambition. But... Um, but yeah, they're having a nice little chat and they have a chat about, you know, what Jason's like. And Alison does extol him, but mostly in the virtues of he's what every girl would want. He's very sensible. Yeah. He's a, I mean, okay, well, we'll come into Jason, um, but, you know, he doesn't sound like a bad person. It's like, you know, he beats me up every now and again. It's like, no, he's nice. He's, uh, he's you sensible. You can do a lot worse than Jason. You could do a lot worse than Jason. I think that's the moral of this film. It is not taken away sufficiently. <laughs> but we'll come to Jason. Um, yeah. Anyway, so they, they have a nice chat and they, uh, they, um, Again, one one thing is questionable. Every time um, Gib has kind of lost consciousness in uh, in the, the film, he is uh, he's he's dreaming of the sure thing. He's and yeah. he's not just dreaming the sure thing. He's dreaming the sure thing in a very idealized way. Like she's really begging him to have sex with her again, or she's she's praising him to the high rafters. Um, and he's like, oh babe, oh, okay then, justice one more time. Um, yeah. So she's she's not she's very idealized. But in the final dream sequence, he has. He finds someone in the shower, but it's not the sure thing. Yes. It is Alison. Who, uh, he opens the shower and instead of like being shocked, she's like smiling. And, oh, hi there, well, Gib. Um, so then they wake up in each other's arms, um, oh, yeah, which was do. pure accidental. Just kind of, she yeah. rolled over his side nothing, of the bed. Nothing sinister no, about nothing it. Sinister, nothing sinister. And also, unfortunately, nothing as funny as trains, planes and automobiles when yeah. that happens. <laughs> yeah. <the chair>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which has uh, got to be yeah. the best waking up scene uh, yeah, in yeah. cinema. But, yeah. um, but anyway, so now okay, he certainly realised uh, yeah, he has feelings for Alison. Um, <clears throat> and but they they make their last leg of the journey um, by hitching a ride in an enormous uh, storage truck that's going to California. Um, and as Alison naps in the back seat, um, Gibb is talking to the trucker about why he's so keen to go to California. He's got a sure thing. Um, at which point the trucker immediately pricks his up saying, I never had a sure thing. You're so lucky, you lucky boy. And he basically slams his foot the yeah. <laughs> It's like, I'm going to get you to your sure thing. Um, although, again, the, the problem is that Alison is, is not asleep, but she's overheard the entire thing. I don't think she knew why he was going um, to California. She didn't. And obviously um, she's developed feelings for him. Exactly. And um, is annoyed and disappointed. Because he's bought her a rose, that's it. Oh, yeah. Bought her a rose, yeah. yeah. So when they, when yeah, they arrive... Buy a woman a rose absolutely 
never buy a woman a rose. Never buy a woman a rose. You just, uh, you know, just go near an accident black spot and you can get all the roses you want for free. <laughs> so he's, he's got a rope, but she's now angry with him. He's a little bit um, confused by that. And they, they go off their respective um, respective meetups. So uh, Alison ends up with Jason, who we can, I mean, let's just say this for Jason. He's emptied a drawer for her use. He's cleared out half his cupboard so she can hang her things up. He has a lot of different types of tea. Um, I mean, and, a lot. But an impressive amount. Like, because they, they've they've shared tea in different locations. You talk about, do you remember when we were in Vermont? Oh, this is more like a studying tea. So he's like, he's, he's got a good he's range thoughtful, of tea. He's very thoughtful, isn't he? He's uh, very thoughtful. Uh, he's a, look, I, I'm, I'm not going to have anything said against Jason. Absolutely. Um, but he isn't the kind of character in films like this that win. No, and I think maybe that was teaching boys in the eighties all the wrong lessons. <laughs> because again, he also he also very generously gave her fifty points in gin when she was clean yeah. behind. So I don't know what more Jason could have done. But, well, um, he's a bit pompous. I think he's it's his manner. He's a, not... he's, he's, well, I don't know. You know, she. He. I don't think he's very tolerant. You, you're assuming that. You're assuming he's a, some kind of closet Republican. He might be a nice guy. <laughs> Yeah, I am assuming that. <laughs> <laughs> and he probably is in this type of movie anyway. But anyway, so uh, the, the point is she she now she now meets up with Jason and even while he's offering her many cups of tea and, and this kind of stuff, she's kind of looking dreamily thinking of Gib and kind of um, requests a beer, which she, she then shotguns in front of him yeah. and then belches loudly. She's clearly yeah. developed some new habits um, and wants to go to a party. This is the party, where, of course, where Gib is uh, yeah. been welcomed in by Lance, who basically constantly introduced Gib as, hey, here's the virgin I hooked up with this woman. Yeah. It was like, hey, dude, nice to meet you. <laughs> um, and and after putting him in, in various Hawaiian gear, she then introduced him to the show thing, who, again, it's interesting that in in his daydreams was very stylized. She's not yeah. much less stylized or idealized no. in real life because literally she wanders over and is like, "Hey, babe, go over there, and wait for me. <laughs> yeah. I'll be back yeah. in a minute." It's yeah. like, okay. She's got like a Hawaiian outfit on. Yeah, and she's very submissive, isn't she? Well, like, they, they go up to his room. It's like, "Do you want to sit down? Do you want me to sit down?" I think yeah. is this like coming to America when he meets the princess? <laughs> it's like she's 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 agreeing to everything. Anyway, so. Um, so then, uh, but obviously, Alison has now turned up with Jason. They're they're dancing at the party, much to Jason's chagrin. But yeah, they um and they the Gib and Alison have a little you know um embittered tete a tete over the punch bowl. You know who's your who's that girl wearing no clothes? Oh, is that Jason? Is that Jeremy over there? Jason, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, you Hugh, you should have been an actor in the eighties. You should have been a teen actor in the eighties in America. I often think so. <laughs> you you've nailed this role. <laughs> <laughs> My dramatic reading of all the characters in the short thing. <laughs> um, but uh, so they, they retire. So uh, the short thing is is kind of um, dragged upstairs by Gib, uh, where she's instructed to sit down and, and make conversation. Yeah. Uh, and then Gib just kind of pants in for a kiss. And that's the last we see of it. Um, Indeed. We then go back to Alison um, kind of confessing to, to Jason, saying, who was that person you're talking to? Oh, you know, someone. I think they've already said, oh, by the way, um, he snores while she hogs the pillow and this kind of stuff. Yeah. How do you um, know? <laughs> yeah. Which I think is not an unreasonable question. It isn't at all, no. <laughs> Another point for Jason. He takes an interest in his, uh, his, his, his fiancée's uh, life. Um, but then he basically, again, says, uh, you know, did you, did, you, did you sleep with him? Oh, no. Do you love him? It's not answered. It's not answered, is it? So once again, he's probably going to do the sleepers in Seattle thing of like, you know, I'm I'm the problem that's just going to walk away from the situation because I'm yeah. that nice. Um, God, God, God rest you, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wasn't expecting 
this to end with like a eulogy <laughs> to Jason. <laughs> He's not meant to be um, who you root for, Hugh. <laughs> the full title is the sure thing, brackets, Jason's really not that bad. You could do worse than Jason. <laughs> you could do worse than Jason. You Maybe Jason meets the sure thing. Maybe that's the happy ending. Maybe it is. You never know. I mean, I'm sure, she would, I'm sure she wouldn't say no to his tea because she's never said no to anything in the yeah. entire movie. Um, but anyway, so we come back now to the, to the, the, the cold quads of the, the Ivy League. We're back to the English class where um, Gibb has submitted his latest English paper, which the English teacher reads out. I don't know if she reads everyone's English paper. It would be very dull lessons if they do. Um, it'd go on, it'd be interminable, wouldn't it? Although she's got, who's, who's, who plays English teacher? She's, um, she's, uh, Vi Vivica Lindorf's. Yeah, she has that kind of European. It's, it's a nondescript. She's Swedish. She's, I, I, there we go. Yeah. No, you you say, knew it, didn't you? You I, knew I was, it. You called say, it. I was going to say nondescript European accent. Apologies <laughs> to our listeners in Sweden. <laughs> you called it, you. <laughs> she has an accent. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so, so there we are. She uh, she reads out his latest paper called The Sure Thing. The Sure um, Thing. And basically, it's uh, and Alison kind of you know shoots Gibbs some some daggers when she hears that. But of course, the uh, the the story is he met this beautiful sure thing. She was everything he wanted, but he couldn't go through it because he didn't love her. Um, mm. And Alison's like, and I just they cut to Alison and Gibb beneath the stars, saying, you know, you didn't sleep there, which apparently is very important. Um, because uh, yeah, they're they're in kiss, and that's the end. They uh, they uh, yeah. they realize they love each other after all. A happy ending for everyone but Jason. <laughs> unless, and possibly unless the sure thing. Who, yeah, well, who was, you know, who was everyone's happy. To, the sure thing. He was kept on waiting for like three days, and <laughs> yeah. then and then the uh, her shag just didn't turn up. Although I suspect at that party she probably wouldn't have gone uh, gone lonely that night. I'm sure Lance. <laughs> now would, I think Lance you're making assumptions, aren't you? <laughs> Lance would have stepped into the breach. He I'm sure he would have, wouldn't he? Yeah, he'd taken one for the team. <laughs> Oh, that's a horrible phrase. I apologise to listeners as well. Well, thank you. I mean, look, I don't know when you watched the film. It was as if you watched it moments before we started recording. <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't remember anything of what you, you could have been describing anything, quite literally anything. <laughs> so I appreciate you doing the heavy lifting there. But um, and, uh, I think given that you'd not seen the film before, we, we've, it was important to deep dive a little bit more than we might usual, usually in this Weekend at Crombie's 2 podcast process as well. Yeah, because I, again, you, you say it's well known. I don't know. It's, it, well, it may be well known of its time. It, I don't think it has anywhere near the cachet of almost any other film on this list. Well, this is maybe where we can get into it a little bit. Okay. Well, I sense um, maybe maybe an interval and a jingle is coming up when we can get into it a little bit more because we have now closed on the sure thing. And we will now look at uh, some of the themes. Welcome back, dear listener. Yes, yeah, so um, as Hugh has uh, navigated us through the ups and downs of the American Midwest to um, find us the sure thing, we uh, now move on to some of the kind of themes. And also, uh, you know, as we're going to do throughout the um, this season of Weekend at Crombies 2, um, just describe a little bit where the sure thing sits with um, Rob Rayner's kind of oeuvre, as it were, um, and, and what it might mean for his career in this context too. So shall I, shall I kick us off a little bit there? Yeah, let's have some context for the sure thing, because I think I'm, I'm very interested in, again, how it sits in the, in the Rob Rayner arc. Yeah, okay, so um, this followed on from um, 
his first film, this is Spinal Tap, obviously, a, you know, a very well-known film, very big cult favourite as well. What, what I think is interesting, you know, we, we, we've, we've done the This Is Spinal Tap podcast, so you will all know our thoughts on that. Um, yeah, and so the sure thing was a, it, it was a year after This Is Spinal Tap. Now, the thing about This Is Spinal Tap, I know that this is the, the sure thing podcast, but it's important <laughs> to recognise where the sure thing comes in his run. So the thing about the uh, This Is Spinal Tap is that it was a success. It was um, a, a modestly budgeted film um, that made a modest profit at the uh, at the box office. It was a more of a um, over the over the years it has grown into the cult classic that it now is. At the time it was considered slight a slight obscurity. Um, nonetheless one one that um, was well made and that people were interested in seeing but it was a small film um, with a small budget. Um, equally the sure thing is a film that had a modest budget it was four and a half million pounds the budget at the time maybe not that modest but it wasn't you know it wasn't a big budget film for the for the, for the time um, and I think that probably more so than this is Spinal Tap, the sure thing put Rob Reiner on the path to the blockbusters, I suppose, that we would come to see later in his run. Um, I, I don't think this is Spinal Tap was the thing that propelled him to stardom. I don't think it was the sure thing either, but I think the sure thing had more to do with what followed than this is Spinal Tap. Yeah. The reason why I say that is because this is uh, the sure thing. Um, it cost four and a half million and it made 18.1 million. So it was a very big hit. It was a big hit. Um, and it was I was a sure thing, if you will. It was the sure thing in some <laughs> respects. Yeah. Um, and what it meant was that he was able to have a little bit more creative control and was able to deliver his next film, Stand By Me, in the way that he wanted to, with relatively unknown cast members at that time. And that film was made for a budget of eight million, so double the budget, progressively getting bigger, but made 52.3 million pounds. So for me, the trend, what you see here is the transition from someone well established in the Hollywood industry as an actor moving into direction and making an idiosyncratic low budget film that performed better than expected in This Is Spinal Tap and followed it up with a film that was not a high risk but nevertheless had a bit more going for it in terms of its budget and delivered which then meant that he was able in Stand By Me, The Princess Bride, and then The Big Guns when Harry Met Sally, uh, Misery and A Few Good Men was able to really push the boat out a little bit more. So it plays a significant role, I think, in his early career. I think it is the bridge between that idiosyncrasy, that small film, and what was to follow in the remaining, say, five films that he had. So I think it, is an, it, it plays an important role in his career progression in that context. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And it's, yeah, in many ways, well, it's interesting to see in the context of its time, um, mm. because looking at it now, I would say it's, a, a 
a standard movie it's your standard rom-com it's um it's you know you, you have the two opposite characters they they're thrown together they have some misunderstandings they're together and and that's much more like oh well rob Brown is a safe pair of hands he got a good performance out of everybody he, yeah. he turned it out and now we, and the, but then he goes on and makes stand by me and everyone thinks whoa this is yeah this is completely different yeah it um, is and then suppose, went to make the princess bride whoa this is completely different yeah yeah so it was almost like this is this is the the, the film that proves your chops and then you can yeah. go off and do your own thing um that might be a little bit unfair given the context of the time because they they again they would the i guess the 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 dominant kind of comedy here is kind of like I'm thinking Porky's, which absolutely. is absolutely I completely agree. I have Porky's yeah. here as well. Revenge of the Nerds, Porky's, yeah, Risky yeah. Business, much um, more overtly sexual ones. Um, yeah, so you've got that. I agree with you. You've got that on one side, and they were they were they were very popular, very yeah. common in the mid '80s. Um, and the sure thing isn't anything like them at all. Um, yeah, when it has elements of it, you still need that cheeky character, the lead character, which is Gib, I guess. Yeah. But I was thinking, but, no, there, there are moments there, like when Gib goes past his, his roommates having sex, and when, um, yeah. when Alison and Kerry takes her clothes off, and there's a there's a butt signal out of the car. There's there's elements of that, but it's almost it's a little bit innocent. Like it's generally it's generally like Gib isn't like peeking Alison in the shower or anything like that. No, and and uh, uh, no, I, I agree. And um, the 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 flip side of the other um teen comedy movie um would have been something like say anything which also john cusack was in some yeah. kind of wonderful or pretty in pink which again were i would call them much more teen movies i think the sure thing is a romantic comedy that happens to be about two teenagers yeah, yeah. whereas i think Pretty in Pink, saying I think some kind of wonderful, possibly Ferris Bueller's Day Off as well, although I think that's slightly different, are it are teen films. Porky's, Revenge of the Nerds, Risky Business. Risky Business is slightly different, but definitely po uh, Porky's and Revenge of the Nerds. They're 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 your um they're your gross out films now, yeah, aren't they? Yeah. Basically, but they're teen oriented. This this isn't a teen film. It just happens to be about teenagers. Yeah, I mean it's it's yeah they're almost they're, they're teenagers because it makes them a little bit less worldly wise than people yeah, who could awkward, cope with you know, yeah but, but they're independent they have money they yeah. can they can hire cars and they can get hotels they can do stuff that adults do they're just a little bit less streetwise about the whole thing because they're young and that's what i think what i quite like about the film in in the it, it's i like the fact that apart from a few moments it doesn't go down the porkies or the revenge of the nerds route yeah. um but i also quite like the fact that when when it gets down to the kind of business end of the film so when they are um sharing hotel rooms and they've got a chemistry they seem nervous and a little bit uncomfortable in each other's company which i feel is probably how it would be right you but also characters like this are also full of confidence. So there's that there's that dichotomy of that that you know Gibby's a confident young man, isn't he? And yeah. um, Alison is a confident young woman. Very different characters, but they're confident, and yet they're also very insecure. And I quite like that in the film. You don't get any of that in Porky's. You know, in in some of the kind of sex comedies of, of the mid eighties, like Porky's, the, the the teenagers seem born of a different world they just they know exactly what they're doing it, you know it's all this kind of stuff that doesn't ring true i know they're not you know they're not socio-realist documentaries about <laughs> um you know coming of age in, in in 80s america but still you know i think i prefer i prefer the image and the portrayal of youth in the sure thing even though it is an exaggerated version of that than i do in some of the other films of that era yeah yeah 
I think again, in in straddling that line, it sometimes does miss the mark. Like say the the hitchhiking scene is just like that strikes an awkward tone. And again, again, number of things that, that the whole flashing thing. I think there's there's ways they could have done that without. Again, yeah. They didn't need quite to imperil the characters or, or make them act so out of type. There was some again. There was a good moment. It's like again getting getting strapped in the rain and then remembering they had a credit card. That kind of actually works yeah. for me. Um, yeah, because they, yeah. they, you know, Alison does. Is, is, so she, you can imagine she was given a credit card shared by her dad and was told don't use it. So she would have it yeah. in mind. I must never use this. So it's not the first thing in her mind. It's not. Yeah. Um, so she she doesn't think about it. It's, it rings true, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, but again, the the whole thing rather than the sure thing. I didn't. Uh, I would maybe this is again. Uh, adding things into it, but it, I didn't know why Alison had to be quite so catty about the sure thing person. <laughs> we have mm. we shared a name, uh, so, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, because she like chambers up and it's like insulting. It's like, well, you know, she's done nothing to you, and I, I can appreciate you're you're embittered, but I mean, you know, what if Alison and the sure thing, you know, shared a drink and had a little bit of a chat, and yeah, you know, they, they could just, um, or what if Alison was like, you know, driven to get Gib to his sure thing. And mm. so, you know, rather than being all kind of jealous of that, she, you know, she'd say, you know, I'm going to get you there. I, I'm, I'm going to, and she organizes him all the way to the sure thing. And only when they get there, he realizes that's not what he wanted in the first place. The idea that. Yeah, it's true. That's a good, yeah, it's good. Although I don't think that, I mean, you know, I, I don't think the topless um, scene rings true with Alison. I, 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 but I don't think that would ring. That doesn't seem like Alison. <laughs> well, she's an she, organizer. She, she's, uh, I guess she has literally has an organizer. I think. Yes, but she's a bit uptight as well. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But then she, um, yeah, she, she warms towards Gib, and I think yeah. it's possible she could have warmed towards him without immediately realizing she loved him. She could have just warmed towards yeah. him and wanted him to to get to California as much as she did for their respective partners, and then she realizes actually it's not what I wanted. I, I'd rather. Um, Again, I don't have my back of my mind, and maybe this would have worked out. Is the reason it explained Alison's fairly erratic behaviour was she had um she was because the teacher's you know the English teacher says you know um do all these wild things eat food that's bad for etc. And it'd be quite funny I thought if um Alison had been working to a secret checklist so she ate the pork <laughs> rind because it wasn't good for her. She took a cup <laughs> off because it's like and then oh I see what you the mean, movie yeah. Gib finds the checklist saying you've had you know, why have you got crossed off take your top off why have you got crossed off with your pork rind yeah. are you doing all this with crazy things that like, because yeah. Uh, yeah why did you get on board with a hitchhiker you've you, you got a checklist because you think this is homework and it'd be quite funny if Alison had taken the entire road trip as an assignment. And oh, the reason and the reason she gets them thrown off the car and all these scrapes is because she's just going through Professor Taub's checklist as much as she can. I see. Yeah, that's quite good. Although that is a different film, isn't it? That's a different thing. Well, again, yeah, actually, it's, it's quite an interesting idea. Yeah, it was, uh, well, there's something similar to was it with, um, what's the name? Audrey Plaza called The To-Do List, I think it is, where oh, she, she, she's, uh, you wouldn't because it was like um, a film 10 years ago aimed at teens. So no, I haven't seen it either. I've seen the trailer for it. <laughs> okay. But the, uh, the, the premise seems quite funny is that you have a, a grade A student going to, to high school. She, she, she's you know outstanding in every category. But she realizes she's been so busy being outstanding. She hasn't had sex at all. And everyone's going, oh, you can't go to, to college without having sex. You, you you need to have all these experiences before you get there. So she literally makes a to-do list of things she oh, needs to, to experience. Yeah, and I assume what follows then is is a romantic comedy. Um, but the, the idea that Alison was working to a check List, I think would a explain her odd behaviour in some places, but mm. b give quite a nice denouement when uh, Gib thinks she's uh, you know why you know why why she's staying out why did she give yeah, up the bus true. and this kind of stuff and it might go both ways then mightn't it so you know um, he, he's as annoyed at her yes for using him as absolutely her experiment and she's as annoyed at, at him because he's going ahead with the sure thing plan 
Exactly, yeah. So I thought yeah, mm. that would be quite fun, quite good. Because in fact, if you look at some of the scrapes, Alison derails their road trip often as, as much as he does, but probably yeah. more. She's yeah. the one that gets them thrown out of the car. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, she's the she's the one that um that, that loses the money, etc. Yeah. So yeah. so yeah, I thought that would be quite amusing if um if she derailed his sure thing and then she resolves to get him to his sure thing, come hell or high water. So rather than just a random truck driver who says, I'm gonna get you late, it's like Alison the one that manages to, you know, muster her powers organization to get him to California. Uh, but then realizes, you know, what she's really done. You know, by by getting him there, she realizes she's she's in, you know enabling him to leave her, which she doesn't realize she doesn't want. In the end. I'm rewriting the entire film now. <laughs> well, <laughs> call I, me I Rob. Mean, no. <laughs> so I do like the sound of that film, but I think what it perhaps signifies is that you ha you I think maybe had more problems with the film than I did, um, in terms of you know how you analyzed it, what you thought about the film. I um. And I, I tend to do the same thing if it's a film that I'm I don't even have to dislike a film necessarily. But if there's a film that I think, you know, this would be better if in my, in my mind, this would be yes, I would be enjoying yes. this a little bit more if this happened. Um, where, whereas I think in the short thing for me personally, I, I didn't have any of those thoughts. I was quite happy to go along and go with the flow, acknowledging that there were some circumstances that perhaps um, didn't quite fit with the characters. I was kind of okay with that because I found them quite funny. I'm not sure I agree with you about the um, the um, the hitchhiking scene. I appreciate it, it is a bit of an uncomfortable scene, um, obviously. I think that is intentional in that context, obviously, as well. But what it does do is it leads uh, an opportunity for John Cusack to do some um, crazy acting, which, <laughs> which doesn't normally appeal to me, I have to say. But actually, I think he's he, he's he's really good in this um and it, it it made me laugh what can i say it made me laugh and um it, it it i was consistently finding myself um laughing during the film and i was consistently smiling during the film on the basis that i was enjoying the company of the characters as opposites as they were and at the end of the film i was <laughs> In films like this, right, you've got to root for the characters, haven't you? You've got to yeah. want them to be together. Otherwise, there's literally no point in the film. I wanted the characters to be together. And I've seen this film before. But I haven't seen it for a very long time. And I still had that feeling in me, which is they, I, I want them to get, they need to get together here. Yeah. So as much as Nicolette Sheridan is the short thing, she's in a bit of a thankless role, I guess, really, in that in that context, because she is, she's literally a cipher. Um, and... It's Boyd Gaines who plays Jason. You know, I, I, I get I get the point with Jason that he is, in essence, a likable character in that there is nothing wrong with him and he's he seems kind, considerate, thoughtful, etc. But that isn't the point. The point is is that I want Gib and Allison to be together. So yeah. Jason's Jason's virtues are kind of irrelevant. Um, and and what, what's interesting is that those virtues become irritant and irritating, yeah. which is what I presume Alison is seeing at that point as well. So I think we're really well in that. Um, so when when they when they do finally kiss at the end, I'm 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 there. I'm not for it. I'm I'm with them. I'm thinking, okay. yes, good, good. <laughs> you, you, you've you, this is the right decision. This is the right thing. It's okay, not the yeah. sure thing. It's the right thing. 
Yeah. No, you're right. I was less charmed with the movie than I thought I would be. And then maybe seeing it out of, out of the context of its time. Um, also, I, I, having not seen the movie, I thought this was say anything. So I was waiting for the boombox moment. Oh, were you? Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> I, thought, I was like 80 minutes in thinking, we better hurry up with this boombox then, aren't they? <laughs> oh, no. Um, but no, I think a couple of things that, that weren't charming. One is the show thing itself. It's just, I mean, it, it's... Of, the fact they hung a lampshade on the fact it was objectification didn't yeah. really take it away from the fact it was objectification sure. yeah. um, and it yeah. wasn't given enough irony um yeah to, particularly to, particularly in the end uh, when when he actually but she's allowed to have her. a voice yeah yeah if if, if yeah if she'd yeah. been deeply irritating or just yeah. <laughs> not interested in him or you know i, I <laughs> had some kind of motivation for wanting to sleep with him because uh, maybe she had a checklist of people like, named gibbs that she wanted to sleep with. i don't know why if, if some kind of other than the fact that she was the same as she was in the dream she, that, yes. that, yeah, that she needed to have some agency didn't she yeah um i think we've already gone back against some, some of the erratic behavior i think they were just plot problems there to get them over but it seemed strange that you know yeah. Also, the fact that you know Gib is basically negging Allison a lot, um, and, and then she she's charmed by him. Yeah. I don't think he does enough enough heavy lifting in being charming. Oh, John Cusack. Uh, that's John Cusack. That's what, what I'm talking mean. about. Even even the fact it was John Cusack, um, and they managed to soak him wet twice. He throws yeah, in the pool and he did. gets in the rain. Like he's 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 pulling out all the stops. Um, uh, and he again, he's quite funny in some regards, but in other regards, you know, she's not showing a massive amount of interest in him. Um, and he does, you know, in terms of like, you know, saving her from would-be rapists and that, he's basically being a decent human being. He's not he's not going above and beyond. You know, any anyone would do that. It's just not, um, yeah, 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 I see what you I, yeah, And, and I things you. like that. Um, so yeah. it's, it's, and it's, yeah, I, the fact that, you know, she's meant to be, it's, it's just kind of like, you know, the manic pixie dream girl in reverse. He's teaching her how to live life because she's so, she's such a square and he mm. can shotgun a beer and this kind of stuff. And it's like, does you know does she look at him and see someone who's massively enjoying their lives and think i want that we don't really get that impression um in fact it's when they come together over the stars is when they have most connection there um, and when so, they, and they have that conversation over the meal as well where they they um where they've they've realized they can spend money on the credit card yeah yeah um so yeah so it's it's bits and bobs it's not enough for me i think also i didn't get the sense that that you know, Gib had evolved, or you know, the fact his 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 trip with Allison had evolved them himself sufficiently that he mm. would a turn down the short thing, or you know, it's it's fine that he's fallen over with Allison because that's you know, he spent time in there, her presence. But I don't think he's changed much of a person. I like a romantic comedy to change the people. It's like they not so much change, but they change together. They they become the people. Yeah, okay. They can get together, and it's here. It's more the case of he just decides he doesn't want to sleep sleep with the short thing. Um, well, I don't think that is. I don't think that's true. I don't think he yeah. just decides he doesn't want to sleep with the sure thing. I think he realizes he loves Alison. Yes. So therefore, I, he doesn't want to sleep with the sure thing. I yes. think he realizes that love is more important than carnal knowledge. Are you a softy? <laughs> I think he does. I think that's what it is. He he realizes he loves her, and so therefore, why would he sleep with the sure thing? Because she'll never find out. <laughs> you you, you <laughs> cad. <laughs> You could have slept with that and then written the story for the English class. Everyone's well, a winner. I don't know that that didn't happen. I know in my in my head canon that probably did happen. <laughs> it's like in the post post coital uh, bliss of the show thing. He goes, "What if I wrote an English story that said I yeah. didn't sleep with them and I could have Alison later on too? Fantastic." 
I don't think that happened. I will yeah. not have no. I will not have Gibbs character besmirched yeah. like that. But no, I think, I, but, but, but I, I think I, it's quite yeah. a mature and quite a sweet film in the end. I I I, I think yeah. it I think it does exactly what films like this in the 80s don't normally do, which is present present a thoroughly decent outcome, which is that they both well, Gibb particularly, um it's not even that he abandons the sure thing or the hope of the sure thing. He chooses actively not to um, because Alison is the one that he realises he loves. And at that point in this film, unlike a lot of films of this type, they haven't slept together. There hasn't been a sex scene or anything like that. There's been, I find it quite sweet, actually. Again, yeah, yeah, neither main character has sex, unless unless we assume that Jason Alison, you know, had one for the road before they broke out. I'd <laughs> <laughs> like, Lots of is this? <laughs> But they have one for the road. He, he he sleeps with the short thing, but doesn't tell her. You are cynic. They can decide they love each other, but okay. So you're right. Neither character actually yeah, consummates the relationship, but just under the stars. Um, mm. So that's not. I take yeah. I, I appreciate where it's going, and again, in in its context of yeah, the, the gross out comedies of you know a Porky's era, mm. it is it is by its standards quite chase. By modern standards, I think it's got a lot of work to do, but we don't can't judge it by that. It's it's thirty year old film. Well, um, I, I think there's something there which suggests that modern films are more sophisticated and have more to them, and I'm not sure that I agree with that. No, I'd, I'd, I'd go with that too, no. The mores of the time. The standards, yeah. yeah. Although, again, there, there are some bits like, you know, when they're, I suppose you get this in romantic comedies, you constantly get, um, and here's an interesting thing about romantic comedies, they're getting, again, someone said, they're getting progressively more ridiculous because really, now oh, we live in a relatively classless age. Oh, There's yeah. nothing that really stops people getting together. Like, you know, in, in mm. Pride and Prejudice, you know, the fact that Lizzie is a microcosm yeah. lower class than Darcy, that's yeah. the barrier between them and that's enormous. Mm. But nowadays it's like, well, you know, there is nothing keeping, you know, Walter and Alison apart. So you've got to invent reasons. You've got to mm. give give her a boyfriend. You've got to make her be awake when he tells a truck driver he's going to shag a sure thing. You've got and to also, keep on. You've got to have them as very different characters. You do, yeah. But once once they realise they 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 get on, which is what you're supposed to get in a romantic comedy. Once that's there, you've got to keep on throwing things at him. And I admit yeah. it works quite well in this. But say in modern films now, when characters you know eventually get yeah. on and attach yeah. you've got to throw things like i don't know time travel or, or aliens yeah. or something just to get him in the way of the romantic comedy to get you to the finale and that's yeah. why i was gonna why... say yeah like um repeating the same day over and over again but then that's one of the greatest comedies of all time <laughs> indeed yes <laughs> <laughs> but not one of the great romances romances of all time because let, let's face it uh, yeah that's a that's a romantic comedy with only one person doing the work there yeah that's, yeah, um, that's but, very true but yeah no but but say you've, you've got to keep on inventing odd things to get in the way of the fact that two healthy, romantic, yeah. inclined people who yeah. are attracted to each other can't get together for 90 minutes until the very end. And the thing she, is, here I, was better because here they have different aims. Yeah, they're, they're different personalities um, yeah. to start with. And they, she has, she's attached for you know for what she seems as a good. Yeah. She's got her life planned out. He's on with the sure thing. They've just got to get across the country. So that's not too bad, actually. That works well, well. I think, and this is unfair too. I'm judging it by standards of what I've seen as better road movies that go wrong. Like, okay. for example, Trains, Planes, and Automobiles yeah. is is probably the gold standard of how to stop your characters getting where yeah. they should go yeah. in what would otherwise be very simple terms, because yeah. it throws so many hitches and then be thinking, oh, this is all going wrong. But I can understand why it's going wrong. Yeah. But it's not a romantic comedy. 
Oh, but it's a bromantic comedy. Oh, you cheeky <laughs> so and so! <laughs> I fell into that trap, didn't I? I tell you, I was I was more moved by uh, Neil Page and uh, <laughs> and, uh, John Candy. Yeah, uh, it's John Candy, to, isn't it? Yeah, it's John Candy and, and um, yeah. I forgot Dell Neil Neil Page and Dell uh, um, whatever the the, uh, yeah. the carpet ring seller. I was more moved by those two getting together than I was in this. I'm afraid. Um, mm, okay, that's fair enough. But, <laughs> because because there was something there. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. That but, is uh, true. But then, nonetheless, yes. Yeah, so I felt the fact that again, Alison suddenly deciding to flash something. Alison forgetting her money. Mm. Things like this seem to be like I know you're trying to slow the journey down and give them give them yeah. wrinkles in an otherwise flawless journey. You could try harder. You could throw you know, yeah. You could make yeah. them ride the back of a pig van or something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's other ways of doing it than, than the, the, the rather obvious ways you chose of losing money, getting thrown out, meeting a rapey yeah. hitchhiker. Um, yeah. And actually, if, if nothing else, this conversation makes me realise I I need to watch. Um, trains, planes, and automobiles again because oh. it's been years since I've seen that. I think I, I watched it recently because I thought it's too successful and too beloved to pick for a weekend across. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so you're just going to just gonna watch it. Yeah. yeah, so I just watched it and it holds up. Oh, my oh does God. it? I have to. It's, it's been years, years it's, it's, since. It's your Thanksgiving season. It's a Thanksgiving season, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's true. Yeah, might do that. Um, but, but there's obviously another film in. Um, Rob Rayner's. Oh, I did it again. There's another one. <laughs> sorry. <coughs> why, why, why do I keep doing that? Have had a stroke again? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Is it, the, is this is the first I can't do it. There's another film in Rob Rayner's. Um, Red uh, uh, oeuvre um, that we're looking at, which I think does a lot of what you're describing. Yes. Yeah. Very simply, without fanfare. And that is very successful, and that's when Harry met Sally. So there is, it, it's very similar to this in the sense that you have two distinct characters who initially don't get on, but then realise that they're they're actually more in like that more alike than they think they are, I guess yeah. in some respects. And it takes them a while to get together. In that film, there isn't the or there there isn't the the real barriers, are there? You know, no, there are, yeah, yeah. they can get together whenever they want in, in many respects. Yeah. And again, he, he, as, as, as does Gibb, um, Harry makes a pass at her within minutes yeah. of the film, as, as Gibb makes a pass yeah. at Alison, yeah. without much, if you like, enthusiasm. It's like, attractive woman, I'll make a pass at her. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so this is why I think maybe um, when Harry met Sally is a version of this with the, with the, with it, with the kind of the crinkles ironed out, perhaps. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, yeah. Sorry, I should have jumped this much earlier because um, we said we're talking about yeah. it. You're talking about, yeah, this does feel like the prototype of Harry Met Sally. And in the the seven films we're watching, this is interesting. That like the, the only time I can think of it being a a lesser version of of, an, of a later film because it's mm. like I think Nora Ephron carries a lot. The the, the script is just mm. better. It does, yeah, I agree. And again, he Rob Ryan has more films down the road, um, so he's probably refined his technique. But I think maybe. Yeah, if, you, if you'd cast Daphne, John Cusack and Daphne Zuniga in, in, uh, in Harry Met Sally, you wouldn't have had a bad film either. I mean, uh, the, the, no, you wouldn't stars, have at all. Stars, you'd have had something probably quite similar. You've got the, the um, yeah, John Cusack could have done a funny Harry and well, the Daphne Zuniga would have yeah, been fine as the uptight Sally. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But they, they are prototype characters, aren't they? They're yes. this, they are sim very similar characters. It, it, interesting. So you're right. I mean, I can, I can probably see John Cusack more in the um, Billy Crystal role. Um, but that's probably because I know more of John Cusack's films than I do Daphne Zaniger. Do, you know, do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. Th there is that. But yeah, they could ease. They could. They could easily be transposed into that. I guess in the same way that Billy Crystal um, and Meg Ryan could be transposed into the Short Thing as well. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. You know. Um, so 
yeah, I, I think I think that the sure thing is is, is possibly. Um, well, let me rephrase that. I think when Harry Met Sally is maybe a film that Rob Reiner revisited, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. he, he he went he went back to the principles of the sure thing. So I feel like he's done the same film almost twice. Yeah, I mean the fact that Harry Met Sally begins in a college campus with. That's yes, what I mean. Yeah. yeah, when they're doing a car, they're car sharing, aren't they? Yeah. Doing a carpool. Um, and, he, and and Harry is again yeah, he's eating his grapes in a disgusting way, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> rather yeah. rather than eating his his, his cheese balls or his, his pork rinds. Yeah, yeah, I suppose exactly. Harry shouldn't really eat pork rinds, but <laughs> no, I think I think um, I think both Harry and Sally are more sophisticated characters, but that's because they're older, right? They become more sophisticated characters. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely something in that, isn't it? I don't know I don't know anything about. Um, Rob Reiner's kind of thoughts on the sure thing or when Harry Mitchell and how they link, but this, this, this definitely does seem to be a connection there. Yeah. Um, but but I, and I suppose Reiner has come back to the romantic comedy theme a lot in his later um, career as well, to, to lesser success, I think. Um, so it, it's obviously a formula that he seems to gravitate toward. Um, but I mean, I actually reflecting on this, I think, I think I gave I think I gave when Harry met Sally four stars. Did um, I did, and I think I think you might have given it five, but I think you might have given it four as well. But um, only on the basis that, and again, I know this. It might be just because films like when Harry met Sally, and to a lesser extent, The Sure Thing. Although I do think The Sure Thing has a significant role to play in some of the teen movies that followed this. Yeah. I think you've seen when Harry met Sally so many times, but just in different guises, that it perhaps has lost some of its spark through no fault of its own. Yes. Um, I always wonder whether a film like that you need to not see for about 20 years and then watch it again and go, that's why this is so good. Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, it, I don't think it, uh, and it sounds awful. I don't think films like that stand up to repeated viewing because the formula is so familiar, if, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, but, but, and that's not a bad thing. So again, in the sure thing, let's bring it back to this. It is very predictable. I, I, I knew exactly what was going to happen. Not, notwithstanding I'd seen it before, but it, it does follow a standard formula. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's fine. G give me that standard formula. That's what makes it work. No, that's fair enough. I was actually thinking in terms of random thoughts. How many of Rob Reiner's films involve journeys? Well, that's a good point. Because actually, the Princess yeah. Bride, yeah, because Princess Bride is also again two unlikely couples. I know they're, they're secretly in love, but to start off there, they're antagonistic. Yeah. They're going on a journey. Harry met Sally. The, Stand by the, me. me is all about the journey. Um, yeah. I mean, misery is a journey. Misery is about a journey kind. interrupted. <laughs> yeah, it is. I suppose, isn't it? A few good men's maybe the only one I can't I can think of that that doesn't yeah. really have that. Yeah, they travel about, but it's not a journey for them. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah I mean, most <laughs> films have bits of travel in them. Yeah, <laughs> so, so the few good men breaks the mold of, of not actually going from point A to point B and the adventures in between. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Well, North I mean, is a journey. Is this North a journey one? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I said yes. Yeah. Maybe that's I just the narrative of American cinema. There's a lot of plays off things are journey movies. Yeah, maybe that could be it, couldn't it? I mean, it's such an expansive country anyway that it might as well be. Um, I mean, I think, you know, I think we've exhausted um, the sure thing, haven't we? Um, <laughs> Not literally, of course. <laughs> no. Um, you know, let's. I've, I've been, you know, this, this is only the second film 
<laughs> we've watched. I think we, 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 well, it's the second time the, the uh, our audience, our beloved viewers, will have heard this. But as they go through, they'll realise we've seen these massively out of sequence. Yeah, Even yeah. you just referenced October. <laughs> you've yeah. now put a chronological mark. Oh on this. yeah, that's true. So you've shown them behind the curtain. Ah, there we go. Well, look, you know, we 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 are um, masters of our own destiny, aren't we? So we can do what we like. Um, <laughs> You know, as we've gone through this year then, and we've been um, looking at these uh, Rob Reiner films, I, you know, I, I again, I come back to this is Spinal Tap. The sure thing, whatever we think about the sure thing, it has its place in a particular genre, right? So this is Spinal Tap, the sure thing, Stand By Me, The Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, Misery and A Few Men. What a run. Yes. His first seven films. That's it's incredible. It's remarkable. And it's... Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Again, had the had this this had had Stand by Me not followed, would it? Would the sure thing? Would he just again have meandered through again things like the sure thing that yeah mm, made triple yeah. their budget and thought well he's he's yeah, yeah. He, he can really bang out these teen yeah, dramas and yeah. this kind of stuff. Again, like uh, um a John Hughes, where you know would it would that if if he just picked up the next sure thing because the next sure thing. But I yeah. mean, um, John Cusack was only sixteen. He was very 16. very young. He had um, to be um. He had to be emancipated to um, perform in this film, so he had to be had. He had to kind of have legal guardianship on on um, on site. What, couldn't his mum just come along? <laughs> uh, no, I think they didn't. They didn't want him to. So he divorced his parents to get past. <laughs> yeah, because he was he was doing his he was he was at high school. Wow. And he had to he had to quit. And they were like, uh, no. And so he had to be emancipated. Yeah, it's bad, isn't it? How unreasonable <laughs> of his parents they want to finish education. <laughs> uh, also, how unreasonable is Rob Reiner? <laughs> well, actually, yeah, that's prob probably a legal, a legal thing there, isn't it? Um, <laughs> how allegedly unreasonable is Rob Reiner? <laughs> well, you know, you get a good part, yeah. Because, again, to be, to be honest, if I was casting a movie and Auntie Edwards was sitting in the chair, I had a chance to get John Cusack, I think I want to scoop that up. Yeah, true, isn't it? And he'd been in a few films beforehand anyway, so yeah. it wasn't like this was his first film. But yeah, he was only 16, so... Wow. And Anthony um, Edwards does not look as good sopping wet, I'm assuming. <laughs> I, I can't actually... I don't think I've ever seen a movie where Anthony Edwards was in wet, which I think tells us a lot. It does, doesn't it? It does. You're right. Um, I can't... I don't think I've seen a film with John Cusack where he's not been sopping wet. I think it's a, I think it's a rider. It's, he must have it. It's, it's in contract, isn't it? It's in contract. That's <laughs> why you never see him in desert-based movies. <laughs> you don't, do you? Uh, also, it can't be just. It can't be. Um, it can't be like a, a seafaring film either. It's got to be. Oh no no! Landed, every, every, landed, landed wet. Yeah, everyone can't be wet. That takes the fun away from it. He's got to be wet. <laughs> yeah, he's he alone. Yeah, that's that's in contract. He, I alone must be wet. Yeah. He, he writes into every contract. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, well, there we are. Should we, yes. should we do some scores? Let's score it. Let's, let's have a little jingle and a score, and then uh, well, we know what we're doing next because you've uh, you you insist on repeating all seven films. But uh, we'll <laughs> oh, score it. Before, wait, oh, wait, oait, before oh. it's one other thing. I know we've done. We, I keep belabouring the point about the first seven films that um, Rob Ryan. I keep belabouring this, but also I just, well, you haven't belaboured it yet. You you uh, we we can see into the future and see that you will be belabouring it. Yeah, yeah, it's quite fresh yeah. and new. Seven Did films of that caliber. Spoiler <laughs> alert! There will be. There'll be more reading out the set, the first seven films of Rob Reiner's um, oeuvre again Spinal and again. Spinal Tap, The Sure Thing, Stand By yeah. Me, uh, <laughs> Princess Bride, when Harry Met Sally, Misery, Misery. and uh, of course, A Few Good Men. But let, OK, that's that's the first, you've, you've named them. But let's, the, the release, the release. I missed one. <laughs> no, you, you hit them all I there. The release, 
Yeah, you got them all, yeah. The release years, right? 1984, 1985, 1986, 1987, 1999, Oh, you know that that was like the football scores. That was lovely. (laughs) I used to have to listen to all the football scores when I was like six because it came on right before the Dukes of Hazard, and uh, (laughs) and so I didn't know what any of it meant. But it was just that that very reassuring person reading out numbers, and sometimes you'd get a match delayed because of rain. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you would. I still think if if because they don't do it anymore, do they? They've stopped. No, only only this year. This year they've stopped doing it. um, Forest nil. I still think. Stenhouse Muir nil, Cowdenbeath nil. Still doesn't really mean anything, does it? Yeah, but sometimes he'd put it, 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 how would he put it in tone the numbers? You never knew. Yeah, you never knew. Liverpool did you? No. one, Nottingham Forest oh. three. Yeah, it's 39. <laughs> 39. 39, bloody hell. Get in there, lads. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that must have happened at least once in his long career. Like there was a massive. Yeah. Score. Well, it, in, in that regard, you've got to hope that it's the away team that scores 39, because oh, yeah, if you can't, you can't go with that first, can you? <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool 39. 39. Stanley nil. <laughs> yeah. uh, I sense we're digressing. Yes, possibly. <laughs> but, uh, right, let's have a little break, shall we? Little break. Let's God yes. This has gone on for nearly two hours. (laughs) (laughs) It's the sure thing. Oh god! It's the least uh, deep-drivable film. It's his least successful film (laughs) in in that run. Right. Welcome back. Oh, hang on. I've gone after you, Claude. Oh, crikey. Welcome back, dear listener. Um, you've munched on your pork knuckle, I presume, and you've um, you've oh, I don't know sucked on some cheese balls. Oh, God, I have no. Who knows? Now comes the time to unwrap the sarong and see what uh, <laughs> lies beneath the sure thing. Oh, very good, very good. Um, can always rely on Hugh. That's the sure thing. That is. Hey. Um, so Hugh, scores on the doors. Scores on the doors. Um. Oh, I think it's it's going to be middle of the road for me. I think it's going to be a three. It's it's not appalling. It's it's a it's a again. I don't watch a lot of romantic comedies, so it's not the gold standard. But it's a perfectly serviceable one. The actors are generally good. You know, it's nice to see young Cusack making his bones again. Rob Reiner, as we've have have established and will establish, is a very <laughs> solid director that can turn out a good a good movie. Um, so three, yeah, no more, no less. I'm going to give it four because. Okay. Um, I felt warm and fuzzy inside at the end, and that's what a romantic comedy should do, and it did. So that's that. Marvelous. Um, well, look, you know, stand by me next. We may or may not have already recorded that. <laughs> Only time will tell. You'll never know. 
well, we'll never know, listener. Well, maybe with luck, I've erased the tape and I have to record it all over again. So oh, the uh, God, the not. next Stand By Me will not be in sequential order. It will have a deep tone of resentment and exhaustion <laughs> <laughs> funnel for it as we have to repeat everything I mean, again. For God's sake, Hugh, I, I know that, you know, dear listener, we're going to release these all at once, aren't we? That's the plan, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no mercy. No, no, no mercy, no. In fact, in fact. Binge watch them. Yeah, what's what's quite interesting at the moment is that there'll be listeners out there in the real world that think we just aren't doing Weekend at Crombies 2. Unsuspecting, but uh, I mean, I, I mean, it would best suit somebody who has nothing to do for an entire week. So if you're planning any kind of surgery, um, I'd, I'd schedule it. <laughs> I mean, it, it's already happened now, so we can't give you advance. Then we should put a little teaser, but schedule your surgery for, for December and yeah. you'd, have, you'd have a treat. One, oh, every, one a day for seven days. Oh, do it. Or See? do... Even God can't take a day off from the weekend at Crombie's <laughs> 2, the Legend of Crombie's Gold podcast. You get it on a Sunday as well. Yeah. And, and on the seventh day, he did listen to Weekend at Crombie's 2. You good men. <laughs> yeah. Well, there we go. Um, yeah, what can you say? So where, where were we with that? <laughs> I was just about to cross-pollinate um, oh. the... Um, the next edition of Weekend of Comics, but obviously How it's irrelevant. That, yes, yeah, it wouldn't work. We, we hope you have enjoyed the edition that we're recording yeah. next, which will be in your past, our future. <laughs> With, yeah, this is atemporal, so <laughs> it is completely nonsensical. <laughs> it's a good job we get no listeners, because otherwise it would confuse the hell out of them. It's confusing the hell out of me. <laughs> <laughs> and we shall see you uh, later, and indeed hope you enjoyed what you've just heard. And earlier. And earlier. <laughs> 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 well, and again, have a very, have a very, and a good, and a previous weekend at Crombies. Good evening, all. Weekend at Crombies. I am. I don't mind again, but as 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 obviously, I don't mind being on my own. Who wouldn't? Um, no. But I am slightly co- slightly wary of. The, the thought, if I die now, how will yeah. I be found? <laughs> I'll know, well, I, I'll know how you're going to die, and it's going to be <laughs> diabetic coma. <laughs> yeah, just, you, you don't want to be respectable, not you know, surrounded by boxes of empty cereal. No, that's true. <laughs> yeah, it's true, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. like the cutscene from Seven is like, how did he die? He was fed <laughs> empty cereal boxes. I always wonder, worry about that when I'm masturbating in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how do the in-laws feel about that with you there? <laughs> <laughs>